We've done an awful lot of groundwork for this 2013 edition of the X-Men uh, Wolverine movie. We've uh, paid a lot of bills. We're talking to the people that are important. We've looked behind the page, behind the scenes. We've given the shout-outs to the ones that need to be shouting out, talking about Peter J, Mikey W, Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, Zach Thomas, Bastabia, Sam, and Bindi. We've also made sure people know the best t-shirts around that are by Geeks. For Geeks can be found at offworldtees.com. It's now time for the patented Marvel vs. Marvel deep <laughs> dive. Will. We're about to press play. In August 1945, Logan is held captive in a Japanese POW camp as alarms raise. Two US bombers fly towards them. Knowing what is coming, the guards release the prisoners, including Logan, who is held in a special sealed well before committing seppuku. In the distance, the bombers drop their atomic payload on Nagasaki. The last guard is shocked by the suicide of his colleague and the sight of a city vaporised in seconds and seems to change his mind about killing himself. Logan escapes the well, grabs the guards and shoves him into his former prison cell, as the fire rages across the surface, Logan shields the guard from the blast, using the cell door to protect the human, while the flames ravage the mutant. The guard is horrified to look up and see the prisoner covered in horrific burns that quickly heal. This is an incredibly strong start to an X-Men film. Very unique, isn't it? Very unique. It also <laughs> harks back... To the start of the first one. That's another horrible uh, World War II Absolutely. Camp. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Grounding grounding it in a little bit of um you know, awful reality as well. It, um it throws like, you... it's almost like we should start all these X-Men movies by remembering that humans are horrible. <laughs> exactly. It throws you straight into it. There's no lead up to Logan being there. It throws you in a situation, trusts you enough as an audience member to go, Ah, I see what's happening here. It's great. What's it called? In 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 action in, in media res. In media res. Um, oh god, my film level A levels coming back. My film studies A levels coming back. Yeah, like like all the great Indiana Jones films. That's how you want to start a movie. Yeah, in the middle of something. Exactly. Mm. Uh, although, not to ruin the movie with facts, Here we go, and, folks. facts and logic. But if you looked into the blast of an atomic bomb, you would go blind. <laughs> but isn't it that it's not? Because the blast is hundreds and hundreds of feet above the ground. What he's looking at is the fireball. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. Because it's not because that's how they drop. Like not an air. The things with glasses. Yeah. The things with glasses is people looking at the actual detonation on an island. Ah yes, of course. Isn't this a bit different? Because it. it, it, um, I might be wrong. I don't know all the details, but fat man and little boy, which were the names of the bombs. they weren't airburst. They were literally just just dumped. They were dumped out of an airplane. Oh right. These were the, this, that was the way they originally did it. This wasn't the fancy kind of nuclear weaponry that you have these days, and, and indeed a few decades after that, where you would send an ICBM, an incontinent—I was going to say incontinent—intercontinental ballistic missile, which flies over and basically explodes above the city, rather than ah. ju- just dumping it. So yeah, you're right. That was uh, I should have I should have realised that got too caught up in being a smart ass 
to, to be a proper smart ass. <laughs> but well, it, 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 there's one thing I do want to know about the effects of uh, a nuclear explosion, and it's very important that we know this. In the Marvel comics, Rob, could Wolverine survive a nuclear blast? It's a difficult one. It's this. A difficult um, one. <laughs> But at the time of the miniseries that we're kind of talking about, and this, this is based on mm. 82. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, this is a Wolverine who is a much more grounded character. The basis of, of his powers is Wolverine can heal faster than normal people. But he is not, it's not what he ended up becoming over the next 30 plus years, which is this immortal unkillable <laughs> god that just can't be hurt and in 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 the climate miller miniseries he comes under threat of death numerous times from regular people with swords and guns um it makes for a much more grounded and compelling story um and certainly fits the genre of noir a lot better oh, than the, you know the sci-fi guy that can't ever be hurt <laughs> um guy can you um, have you got access to the pictures I've sent you? Yes. Oh, um, what's this I'm looking at? So there's a whole bunch, but there's one where he's getting killed by a sentinel. Yeah, um, I'm looking. You can this scroll through grim. and find that. So that's from um, Days of Future Past, mm. which is the year I forget when it comes. Let's, but it's, it's a famous. It's the famous story, and that's Wolverine completely being incinerated by a sentinel. So it's a huge blast of fire and energy. That destroys all the flesh and organs of his body, leaving just the adamantium skeleton. And I think that speaks to how this would go. Like he, he was he he could heal faster, guys. If you stabbed him and got sh- or shot him, he could heal quickly. He couldn't. He wasn't a. He wasn't this. You know, unstoppable sci-fi being. Um, it was. It was a guy. Like the whole basis of this and of Wolverine in this kind of era is he's a he's a scrapper. He's a mm. down and dirty brawler. He's not like walk into a fight and have no concerns whatsoever because nothing can ever happen to him. Um, but as his popularity grew, and I think as the superhero genre grew wilder and more bombastic in the nineties, mm. and the, the sci fi macho sci-fi kind of era of that you know and i think as editors perhaps grew less and less powerful to 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 think of characters overall and to rein some of these artists and writers in wolverine became untouchable and unkillable i i i would have said that this new virtually immortal wolverine that we've had could survive something like this that we see in the movie Okay, because they're miles and miles and miles away from the source, right? He's, he's bulked up his abilities, basically. Yeah, but also they're miles and miles and miles away from the source. Oh, sorry. sorry. I, I, I would say he could probably the the new Wolverine, as in the later Wolverine that we mm. see in the comics, could survive something like this, but couldn't survive being at ground zero. Yeah. Um, but then uh, he literally has to survived being ground zero of a nuclear bomb. Um, it was an issue of venom. It's just madness. And I remember distinctly, it wasn't to do with a nuclear bomb, but during the Civil War, Wolverine 
was hunting down the man that kind of was responsible for the start of this of the civil war in the if you if you haven't don't remember our evergreen episode in the civil war in the comics the civil war gets all kicked off by a bunch of reckless superheroes kids kiddie you know teen teen heroes mm. trying to tackle a very very dangerous supervillain called nitro okay who when his back's against the wall against all these these super these inexperienced superheroes he detonates and destroys a school full of children oh yes i remember now so spinning out of that wolverine's the guy who's gonna hunt this guy down and like get justice for those kids Mm. um and he explodes he he, nitro is a character that can become a living explosion and he uses all of his power right and the explosion is said to strip Wolverine down. You see it on the page. To basically his skeleton, and yet, in something that is really beyond ludicrous, <laughs> he regenerates from tissue that remains in his skull, oh. like little bits, and it, uh, absolutely beyond the pale. Stupid. I think someone- that kind of thing suits dead uh, Deadpool, but. I, I think it really harms a character like Wolverine. Yeah, I remember someone sharing that on a Marvel forum. They they showed the panel of that. And I remember thinking, oh, that's silly. Yeah, it's canon, it's continuity, it definitely happened. It's dumb. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely dumb. In the present, Logan has run away to live as a hermit in the Yukon, still haunted by memories of Jean Grey, whom he killed to save the world. He lives a fairly simple existence away from civilization, occasionally heading into town to get supplies, encountering a group of hunters one day. One evening, he regretfully puts down a dying bear with whom he was peacefully living near, correctly guessing it was the hunters who did this as the animal was killed with an illegal poisoned arrow. He heads back into town looking for revenge. Approaching the leader of the hunters, Logan impales the main hunter's hand with his own poison arrow, but before he can kill him, he's interrupted by Yukio, a mutant with the ability to foresee people's deaths, who informs Logan that these men will be dead soon anyway, before threatening the hunters with her sword. Again, this is another... Obviously, it's not the start, but the it's a strong beginning. Strong first act so far. Yeah. Also, had no idea up until seeing this, uh, this was a sequel to Last Stand. I thought it was just another prequel. Or another yeah, have a go. So, a, a, like not standalone solo thing, but a pre a proper prequel. I thought this was going to take place before the first X Men film again. I thought, or, or they were having another go at X Men Origins Wolverine. I I literally thought like this was having another go at it, bridging the gap between what they did in Origins and then him ending up in. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's what I thought here. But it was it's it's interesting to see that after the. Uh, incredibly ludicrous ending and everything that happened at last stand the oh, world God. in this film is actually quite normal because <laughs> mm. like so yeah. much stuff happened in that film that's just cartoony and now we're just back to hey everything's normal it's like watching the netflix marvel shows like daredevil and stuff and they keep referring in passing to the event, as in what happened in the Avengers movie, and there's no sign of any major catastrophe that's happened in Manhattan. Um, <clears throat> well, 
it takes place several years. And like they talk about it, and they talk about the, there's an awful lot of in Daredevil the regeneration of the city, the regeneration, yeah, rebuilding, yeah. and but I, yeah, it's, I, I I deeply enjoy I deeply enjoy that the idea that all these catastrophic things could happen, but it doesn't really affect the average guy in the street. It's it's weird because you you look at. Um old photos of what London and my place where I used to live, Portsmouth, um, used to be like right after World War Two, and you see the destruction. But then you see how it, uh, after decades and decades, it grows back. And some, so there's some places that's, that, that weren't fixed for decades that were just left. Mm, yeah. So it's, it, I, I would like, if that really happened, if the Chitari invasion of Manhattan happened, I would love to have seen like a documentary or a big old picture book because you know words are for losers of like how the city sort of rebuilt gradually after i would have loved to have seen seen how that happened yeah but what had happened is like businesses would have like some russian oligarch would have swooped in okay. and just like bought all the property for nothing okay. and then done nothing I, with it and i i, I meant shanty towns would grow up <laughs> where the the new legion of homeless have to live it'd be terrible well i'd like to see it from an architectural point of perspective there not, not, it is. not the uh... i don't care about human interest or people <laughs> talk to me about blueprints and designs so yeah I, I i like that i like how a city rebuilds like that and it t- turns into something different but you're right city doesn't rebuild people rebuild people rebuild the city but it's people that do it. It's not the city. I rebuilds. meant city as a collective term for the people who live there. But you know, no, you don't like people. You don't You've like no people. Have we already talked about this? <laughs> You're the only person I talk to. So the hunter scene again makes me think of the first film. Uh, he's in a bar, about to get into a fight, and then he reveals his mutant powers. Then it's almost going to kick off, but it kind of doesn't. Mm, it, yeah, it, it's like an echo of that. Also, Mercy killing a bear. Is there anything like this uh, in that Wolverine, Chris Claremont, Frank Miller miniseries that we've been talking about? That's how it how it opens. Um, you think Logan is hunting a person, and the sort of narration makes you think that makes it seem that way. Um, but he tracks down a bear mm. that has attacked and killed an innocent family in the woods. Okay, um, and Wolverine gets into this quite violent fight with a bear that's gone wild and has a, a mindless bloodlust and it's a full, pretty full on fight he cuts the bear's arm off um, in the fight and then he we don't see the final death blow but he Ooh. sort of puts it down and then comes out of the cave with this poison arrow and he's like this is what drove the bear mad oh. so those people are res- that, that, that mm. hunter is responsible and he kind of tracks them down and stuff the, the opening scene in the miniseries was a big deal at the time um because yes it had it had that kind of immediate action that you perhaps need to hook people in yeah and it and it's kind of violent but it introduced readers that there's another side to Wolverine the the character that in the X-Men usually takes a lot of gleeful pleasure in fighting and stabbing takes absolutely no pleasure in having to put an animal down um and it and it's this indication that that to readers that the miniseries is gonna it's gonna change your mind about Wolverine. Hmm. Um it's not something that you'd see particularly in, in this movie because we've had a very different Wolverine from the start. But the also the central themes of that miniseries, um of his kind of Japan adventure, are man versus beast. Yeah. The 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 Wolverine we've seen in the X Men comics 
1982 is almost a wild animal. Mm. He repulses the X-Men by killing their enemies and lashes out in anger and wants to fight his allies as much as the bad guys. And this miniseries explores a Wolverine who is caught between two worlds. Mm. He's caught between his bestial instincts and 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 trying to be trying to become a man, become some something different, something more. And Logan doesn't know what world he 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 belongs in. And he doesn't know which side of him is kind of his is 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 true nature. So we begin the, the comic begins with this kind of powerful metaphor of him literally fighting a wild animal. Um, so that man versus beast, we get mm. we get smacked in the face with that, really. Okay. What about Yukio, though? Is she an important X-Men character? This movie did Yukio badly wrong, mm. and it hurts for me to see it. Forget everything she does and is in this movie. <laughs> um, she's completely human. In the comics, she's not a mutant. She has no powers. She's not related to Mariko. Just forget all of that. In 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 the in the comics, Yuriko is this wild, untamed, kind of crazy femme fatale character who is dangerous and violent, but also exciting and cool, mm. and has got the mega horn for Logan. She is very badass, very cool. Can I have the short? Haircut, which is kind of short shaved haircut, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Not like I know a, the kind. a short barber or anything. Short shaved haircut, yeah. which really was something that caused that would cause a scene in the early eighties. Um, and she wears this badass jacket and boots and stuff. And the first time Wolverine meets her, um, he's been uh, drugged and beaten up, and he's facing down a gang and is in no state to defend himself. And it's again, he's under very serious threat here. And all the gang members drop dead with knives in their back as Yukio <laughs> has murdered all of these people to introduce herself um, and to save his life as well because there was some dangerous Mama Jones. But she's, yeah, she's wild and she kind of goes around like a modern Ronin, a warrior mm. with no master. Um, she's kind of depicted in this series as being all uncontrolled id. Um, okay. She, sorry, I was saying okay. I, I was like, oh, right. I was she represents good. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> she, Yukio, in the miniseries represents the side of Logan that he's questioning, the side that loves violence and loves cutting loose and not thinking of anything or anyone else. The wild hedonistic animal side. Mm. She, if you can think back to our Daredevil episode. She shares a lot of similarities with Electra, who Frank Miller, of course, had very recently created. Ah, in there's a link. And the relationship between Yukio and Logan is similarities to the one between Electra and the young Matt Murdock. The the, the difference being that, um, De- Matt Murdock is this deeply repressed guy racked with Catholic guilt and a very strong moral compass. And we have here's Wolverine is someone without that rigid framework of 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 right and wrong, who could very easily just abandon what he's been doing with the X-Men and live this glorious life of self-indulgence and and and, and pleasure drinking and shagging and fighting. Like it 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 presents like this idea that Wolverine's on a precipice. Mm. The stuff with the X-Men 
could just be a blip. It doesn't necessarily it isn't necessarily who he is. The hero is not necessarily who he is. Like his true nature might be this self-indulgent kind of guy, this animalistic kind of guy. And yeah, for a few a couple of years he's done this good thing, but maybe that's just a blip and maybe he's going to fall off the wagon and maybe it's going to be his true nature. Yeah. Um it's really something else. So during Chris Clement's glory years on the X-Men, a lot of very brilliant supporting characters were introduced. Yukio might be the very best. She was planned to enter into a lesbian relationship with Storm. Oh. Just not very later on in, in eighty um three, mm. I think. Um but a mandate was handed down by the editor in chief at the time, Jim Shooter, which was that there would be no same sex relationships anywhere in Marvel Comics. Boo. That's something that also greatly hindered the depiction of Mystique. Yeah. But a lot of um great um writers and thinkers and kind of people that do analysis on comics will look at those issues containing Storm and um and Yukio and say it's very gay coded. There's an oh, awful yeah, lot yeah. of stuff yeah. that you can kind of read as, as a very um lots of romantic scenes um, without them necessarily kissing or being physical. So, um, yeah, she's a great character and very poorly kind of represented here. Yeah. And I did not even... It was only when I was looking into the character to write about this and to um, find out who played the character and stuff that we looked at Deadpool 2. Mm. I did not realise that that character that's called Yukio is meant to be this Yukio. The I just thought it was... A, it's an, it's just another name for a oh, person. Oh, no. Okay, I see. Okay, so... I did not realise that Teenage Nagasonic Warhead's girlfriend was meant to be the the, the Wolverine character Yukio, um, or I would have talked about it then. I just thought it was like... Just the name, but uh, she, she bears no resemblance as, whatsoever. I was about to say she didn't seem very Yuko esque in that film. From what you've just told me, she seemed very well cute. Nope. Yep. yep. Totally yep. different. Very strange. Very different. Driving Logan to her employer, Yukio explains that she has been hired to find him by Ichiro Yashida, the POW guard that Logan saved in 1945, who is now the CEO of a technology Zaibatsu. Ichiro. Explain that one. Don't just drop that in and walk away from it. I did. I I, I was going to say company, but it's basically it's like a mega corporation, isn't it? As I about to, it's like a diversified. I don't know. I I don't. I've never heard the word before. I don't speak Japanese. Okay. Uh, I don't think you can drop that in and walk off like <laughs> drop that. You know, guys, it's a Zaibatsu. Come on, man. <laughs> it's basically a huge business conglomerate. It's industrial. It's financial. It's that kind of. Th- it's basically a a big Japanese corporation. Corporation. It sounds like those are the words you should have used. But yeah, cool. I like the the, the said Zaibatsu. <laughs> I like the word Zaib. I like that word. It sounds cool. It is. It's and a, then explain it. It's, it's great. A cool word. We've learned a new word today, folks. Zaibatsu. Ichiro, who is dying of cancer, wants Logan to accompany Yukio to Japan so that he may repay his life debt. Arriving in Tokyo, Logan is taken to Yashida's compound, also meeting Yashida's son, Shingen, and uh, granddaughter, Mariko. Meeting a bedridden Yashida, the true purpose of this trip is revealed transferring Logan's healing abilities into Yashida's body, saving Ichiro's life and leaving Logan of his near immortality, which Logan views as a curse. Uh, 
Logan refuses this and walks away from the dying man. Oh, great. Another meeting that could have been an email. <laughs> I don't care if there was a hidden agenda. It could have been an email. <laughs> also, uh, we have a suspiciously Caucasian doctor. I, oh, yeah. That's very weird, isn't it? There's this blonde and the eyes and the glasses and the stare and everything. And I'm like, no. That's, this, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not not, say, I'm not trying to imply anything, but it is, it is out of place and not really mentioned. But obviously, we'll get, get into that later. So... Is uh, Ichiro Yashi... Very weirdly... Very weirdly. I pegged who this person was. Mm. I've never seen... I hadn't seen this movie until watching it for this. I pegged that doctor, that woman, for who the character was with nothing other than wearing a mask walking past. And it's a... It was an... I was very pleased myself when I got it right. Oh, you knew who no, it was from right away? Yeah, despite yeah. the fact that the person we're talking about, uh, we're going to talk about is not a doctor or has any, <laughs> nothing to do with medicine. I just went, ah, Western woman in this yeah. story. It's probably going to be that person. When we get to her, could you please explain how you figured it out as well? Not now. Yeah, it's pretty to- simple. It's pretty simple. There's only one Western, like, bad female woman connected to with these characters. And I went, oh, I bet that's so-and-so in hiding. That's okay, all it was. Okay, that it's, makes- not, it's not a, yeah, not a big thing. Okay, so is uh, Ichiro Yashida a character from the comics? <sighs> sort of, uh, but, but not, not really. really! So the miniseries is centred around um, the corrupt lord um, of the, uh, corrupt lord Shingen of mm. the Yashida clan. And his aggressions against Wolverine, but this is so. This is in the miniseries. It's Shingen Harada, the mm. father of Mariko. Okay, he is not somebody that Wolverine has ever met before. Before the miniseries begins, mm. nothing. They have no World War Two background. Um, this this Shingen has the trappings of civility, the public appearance of being a good man. An honourable businessman, you know, a patriarch of a of a respected old old Japanese family, but in reality, he's up to his eyeballs in organised crime. Mm. He's a major player in drug trafficking and prostitution. Um, he he's a character that was presumed dead, we are told, for a number of years, but then, without warning, quite recently, before the events of the book started, he returned to the public eye. Causing a whole heap of trouble because he owes a lot of um, a lot of debts and money and stuff to all all round town. So it's a little complicated. In the yeah. movie, the patriarch is Ichiro Yoshida. Mm. His son is Shingen Yoshida, and his granddaughter is Mariko. Right. There's also a non-family member called Harada, Harada who runs yeah. the ninja clan. Yes. In the comics, nobody's surname is Yoshida. Yoshida is the like it's the clan the clan Yoshida, and it obviously comes from an older ancestor that was called Yoshida, yeah. but that is nobody's name or surname. Um, the patriarch in the comics is Lord Shingen Harada. So mm. first name is Shingen, surname Harada, at least in the Western way we go about doing it. Okay. Uh, he has no son in the miniseries. Only his daughter and heir, Mariko, so not his granddaughter. Mm. So they obviously wanted to 
tie that character to World War Two. Yep. Which would make him very, very old when we get to this movie, 2013. Of course. Which would make Mariko, who they want to be the love interest, far too old for Wolverine. <laughs> so they make her the granddaughter. Yeah. So they have to invent a, a son in the middle. <laughs> and they give that son the name of the character the first patriarch is based on. Because in here, Mariko's father is Shingen. But anyway, it's complex for some reason yeah because because it's not acceptable in films for a main male character to be in a relationship with an older female is it i really felt there's like a, yeah. a 18 to 20 year age gap between these two actors yeah i really felt uh, as attractive as he might be hugh jackman didn't the, the age difference played on me yeah same. um I, I i didn't think it looked natural whatsoever um, and that was, I don't know, a little jarring to see. Uh, not jarring, it was just a little odd. Now, there is no Ichiro Yashida in the miniseries. Mm. However, years later, there is someone called Ichiro Yashida in Marvel. We learn about him many, many years later. He is a cousin of Mariko. Ah, his, okay. His family gets into some real, real trouble, Will, and he reaches out to the only man that his family can get to to help, which is Logan. And this leads to a series of terrifying events. This is how our big August bonus episode starts. Ichiro Yashida kicks off Wolverine, Enemy of the States, only available on our Patreon. Excellent. That night, Ichiro's physician, Dr. Green, introduces something into Logan's body, leading Logan... Oh, wait. That's the other reason I knew, because her name was Dr. Green. Is that... That's the, that's the big reason I knew. Is that yeah. an actual name from the comics? No. Okay, we'll get, we'll, on, we'll get to we'll it. Get, we'll get, we'll to get, it. get to it. Leading Logan to have more nightmares about Jean Grey, as well as Dr. Green. But Logan dismisses it as a dream. The next morning, Logan wakes up to... What? Yes. Sorry, in your notes, you just a bit of spelling error. And it's not instead of Jean Grey, it's Jeannie Gray. I saw that and I was like, why did I write that? <laughs> oh, your notes on this are full of spelling. It's full of spelling. You must have been a very tired boy when you wrote this. I think I was. Uh, we've done a lot recently. Uh, and yeah. and, I've, and I've, I was at the end of my tether here. But don't worry. That heat, that heat wave really jammed the schedule oh, up. We we had such a perfect, like, we had all our timing down for July to give us clean sailing in August when we're taking some time off, and I'm on holiday, you're in Edinburgh, and then heatwave struck, and it just really messed up two, three records. Yep. Oish. Oh, dear. Anyway. Back to Jeannie Grime. Back to Jeannie. <sighs> the next morning, Logan wakes up to find that Yashida has passed away. At the funeral, Shinjin is frosty towards Logan, Partly to him being a mutant, telling him to go back to his cave. Meanwhile, a man in black watches the procession from the rooftop. Sensing that something isn't right, Logan tries to interrupt the ceremony, but is ignored. The next second, the funeral officials pull out weapons, revealing themselves to be Yakuza. The mobsters shoot Logan before trying to kidnap Monocle. As chaos ensues, the figure on the roof pulls out a bow and arrow and begins firing at the attackers, while Dr. Green, who is also at the funeral, starts videoing Logan fighting. 
She is interrupted by one of the gunmen who sh- whom she swiftly kills using her reptile-like poison tongue. As Logan pursues Mariko's kidnappers and rescues her, Yukio continues fighting alongside Shinjin. The fight spreads to the streets with Logan leading Mariko to safety while the mysterious archer follows along the rooftops. Logan manages to get Mariko safely on a bullet train and wearily collapses into a, she- into a seat. Back at the funeral, Yukio tells Shinjin she last saw Mariko leaving with Logan, which angers him. Shinjin is quickly t- to remind uh, Yuriko that she is nothing more than a toy doll who has outgrown her use. Some of these um, fight scenes were actually really well shot, weren't they? I agree, yeah. There was, yeah. It f- I, yeah. I, I think this film had a, had a, had a, uh, several pretty, pretty cool um, set pieces in it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's It feels like a lot of care has gone in. Had the feel of a Bourne film for a lot of it, I thought. Mm. Also, um, every video I've ever seen online of a bullet train is them being absolutely rammed, or is that just rush hour? Because they got in there and it was like really luxuriously spacious. I assume it was first class because she's like the richest woman in Japan or uh, something. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> so that, that makes sense. Um, also, he's barely arrived in Japan and, and he's already involved in some serious violence. I assume it's like this in the miniseries. Um, yeah, but um, it's a, a it's on a a more grounded scale. Wolverine goes to Japan to see Mariko, who he previously met and formed a bond with in the X Men comics on various other stories, mm. um, and he's been courting her for some time by sending her letters. Very old school, very sweet. Another thing you wouldn't expect from Wolverine. Mm. You know the the, the Clint Eastwood type writing his thoughts and feelings down and sending them to a woman is not quite what you'd but it it's also the correct and proper way to court like a lady like mariko mm. something which makes you know logan feels kind of out of his depth with it all but she hasn't been writing back to him recently and then he gets a bunch of his letters sent back unopened so he heads off to japan to see what's 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 happening between them and what's going on mm. and when he gets there he discovers that she Mariko has been married very suddenly. So Lord Lord Shingen uh, re- returned to public life, took control of the family, and to settle old debts and squash tensions with other families, he quickly married um, Mariko off to one of one of his rival families mm. to form like a, a you know a, a political marriage. Logan goes to check on Mariko and finds that she has been beaten by a new husband. This really struck me as a kid. It was it re- had a, had a powerful impact on me. I don't think I'd ever seen that before. S- you know, violence presented as domestic violence, mm. um, presented as spousal abuse. I don't think I'd ever seen that presented in the comic book before. Um, Mariko tries to send Logan away. Um, she basically says to him that she can't shame herself or her family by breaking this marriage like even though she's suffering at the hands of her husband it is her duty and her responsibility to honor her her family and her father by staying in the marriage and she tells she kind of quite kind of angrily tells logan that these are things the things she's speaking of honor and duty and Mm. responsibility and oaths the things that logan does not and cannot understand (laughs) traditions and cultures that he's not 
anything to do with him. But also, and not not it's not specifically an American Japanese divide. It's a because of who Wolverine is, mm. he can't grasp these things, right? Um, and she also says that she that he is shaming her by coming to, coming to her like this. Um, it feels like this grand sweeping kind of dramatic story, but also kind of love story immediately. Mm. Um, Wolverine then quite quickly finds himself, he's been poisoned, and then he's confronted by Lord Shingen in front of the Yoshida clan, business partners, family, and Mariko. And Shingen goes about insulting Wolverine and seeks to shame him in public by challenging him to a duel, but only using wooden practice swords, Ah, Bokan, saying that Logan is not worthy of wielding a real Japanese blade. Mm. And Shingen, this old guy, kicks Wolverine's ass. Wolverine is suffering from, like, a poison, but this is a time when he's not an unstoppable warrior god who no one, who can beat anyone, right? Mm. He's a a hard-luck, down and dirty scrapper who gets beaten up a lot. That's his wheelhouse. Someone that you can kind of, you know, resonate with a bit more. This fight is very interesting in, in that Shingen, who is a master martial artist, um, we find we we learn through Wolverine's inner monologue that even with wooden swords, Shingen is striking Logan on all of these pressure points and nerve points in the body. Ah, yeah. It's deadly. Like Wolverine says in his in a monologue, like he's hitting me so hard in the right place. A normal man that wasn't me would have been crippled by some of these blows. Ooh. So Lord Shinjin is pretending in front of the world, his family, business associates, colleagues, and everything, that there's civility going on. Mm. Just wooden practice blades. It's only sparring. Right. right? I'm a good, honourable man. <laughs> Look, Mariko, I am not... I'm not using a real sword on the man I know you love. Can't believe... You know, I know, you know I just... But I'm only using a, a wooden... Just a practice sword. But in reality, mm. he is brutalising Logan in a very sneaky, hidden way. And in this fight, with his words and his actions, Lord Shinjin pushes and pushes Logan until Logan loses control, throws a sword down, pops his claws, and starts using them. And the minute he does that, everyone in the room goes, look at this wild animal using blades on an older man who was only sparring with him. And Mariko is suckered in as well. And so Wolverine shames himself in front of Mariko. And she disavows him right then to his face, turns her back on him, and says to her father that Logan is not worthy of their family. Shinjin uses violence and the mask of civility and honour like a chess master moving pieces round and manages to drive this huge wedge between Mariko and, and, and Logan. And also think of what we talked about, the 47 Ronin. Ah, like yes, about the Honourable Man. The the corrupt yeah, aristocracy manipulating yeah. and pushing the Honourable Man... Well, not the... Wolverine wouldn't say necessarily <laughs> say Wolverine's Honourable here, but they push this guy... Wolverine does not know he's playing chess. Yeah. And suddenly he's in checkmate. 
Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I was about to say, I, li- I like I like that retort like uh, return of oh wait a minute, Wolverine isn't the honourable man. Well, as the, he's the most honourable man we could find right about now. That and that's that's the one that really what you said there really encapsulates the character at this time. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. He's the most honourable man we could find at this time. That's... He's he's not Captain America. He's the He's the only guy we've got for this particular job. Exactly. Think, I think something like this, this subtlety, this deception would have played so well in this film at times. But obviously... And the, the, the fight as well yeah. is almost silent. Yeah. It plays out in these panelled ways um, and you have um, Wolverine's inner monologue. Yeah. One of the wonderful things about this series is seeing how Chris Claremont and Frank Miller come together in the writing. Mm. Claremont, as we talked about, I think, in the Phoenix saga that we we dived into, he's known for, quote-unquote, purple prose. He is very... (laughs) He he, he likes to write and write and write. Um, And and certainly some of his dialogue you could could, could easily say is overwritten. And (laughs) characters go on and on and on and on and on. And Miller is known for the stoicism uh, and clipped phrases that you associate with noir. Yeah. And what we get here is kind of Clement writing in that kind of... It's not as clipped as Miller would come to be on yeah. Sin City, but we get... we To get silent stuff with no dialogue from Chris Clement is mad. Um, <laughs> it, it's This is... Really, they both brought out the absolute best in each other. That's brilliant. Um, did Did you get ever get around to seeing the new Batman film? No. The dialogue in that so much of the dialogue feels like a Frank Miller comic. I might have said it before, but it's just that's the most Frank Miller. Apart from Sin City, it's the most Frank Miller film I've ever seen. That's just actively putting me off it. Oh, for the love! <laughs> okay, I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I actually do want you to see it and I want to talk about it anyway. Anyway. We're back to Wolverine. On the train, Logan tends to his wounds, which are worryingly not healing immediately. Suddenly, he's cornered by more Yakuza thugs, and a fight breaks out in the train corridor, eventually leading to the roof itself. After dispatching the last of the thugs, he gets Mariko and himself off at the next station and checks them both into a love hotel to lay low. While brooding on the balcony outside their room, Logan collapses. He wakes up later to find that Mariko has taken Logan to a vet to stitch his wounds. Recalling the suspicious behaviour of Dr. Green and the conversation with Yashida, Logan deduces that Dr. Green has somehow taken away his healing abilities. Let's talk about that bullet uh, train scene. That was bloody intense. I mean, I really liked it. I did really like it. It felt like a very unique action scene and set piece. Yeah. Um... It does feel what like do it shouldn't think? have happened, though. Like humans aren't are not able to. Like Wolver- I no. don't mind Wolverine doing it. Yeah, but regular Yakuza with knives? No, don't those those trains go at like three or four hundred miles an hour? Also, you'd go off to the side. You would sweep off to the side, most likely. Well, I don't even. I'm I'm, I'm not even that bothered about the, the that aspect of it. I just <laughs> wanted to stop at. Like if it was a more sci-fi movie, and they go, "Oh, magnetic boots or something," yeah, yeah, then yeah, and then, yeah. uh, or, or if everyone's going to be a bit enhanced or something like that, yeah. Like I got right. no problem with Wolverine being able to do it, and I did like <laughs> the fight scene. I was just like, I don't, I don't think if you 
put a knife into the room. I think you just. I think you just. But I thought it was a cool way of fighting. It, it, so it, it was. There was that bit where he, he he tricked him into jumping at the wrong moment just by looking. very fun. That was so, that was a bit. Faked where him out. That was just so inspired. Such a great, clever little moment in an action scene. I love. I yeah. live for that stuff. So in the comics, does this anything like this happen? Are there any bullet train shenanigans? Oh, Yukio! Yukio plays chicken with bullet trains. No, that's even that's more her mental. thing. <laughs> so she gets drunk. They both get drunk, and Yukio gets drunk and lies on the tracks. And then her thing is to try and roll out of the way before the bullet train kills her. Um, and she tries to get a drunk Wolverine to play the game. And even with his healing factor and his level of drunkenness and his adamantium bones, he's like, this is really dangerous, no. <laughs> um, and you do start to see this sort of unhinged glint in her yeah. eye. She's she's very screwed up. And you're seeing the opposite here of Wolverine. You're seeing actually quite a cautious nature, would you say? If it were Wolverine, for Wolverine, yeah, he's saying no, I won't do that. Yeah, but he just does that in the. Wait, what am I? What say it again? He's not playing chicken with the bullet train, even though he has in, a healing in the movie. In, no, no, in this, in the comic of the scene you're. Yeah, no, he's not. No, yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. quite a cautious nature. I wouldn't prescribe to him. Nah, I, I don't. I, I don't. I, it, it's. I think it's more that he doesn't see the point in it. I don't think oh. he'd get a thrill. I don't think he's a. I don't think Wolverine's much of a thrill seeker. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It just seems like a banal activity to him. Mm, I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, elsewhere. Dr. Green meets with Harada, the mysterious archer from the previous day, as well as head of the Black Ninja Clan. Sworn to protect the Yashida family. Demanding to know where Logan is, Dr. Green, also known as Viper, uses her poison-based powers on Harada, threatening the bodyguard to find Logan for her. Logan and Mariko reach Yashida's house in Nagasaki, where they continue to lay low. Mariko reveals that Yashida left his entire company to her, making her the most powerful woman in Japan. She also reveals details of her arranged marriage. Meanwhile, Shinjin ramps up efforts to find his daughter, but is also concerned with time, as Yashida's will is to be opened in three days. So it's safe to say at this point in the film, uh, it's not bad. It's. I mean, it's. It's. It's not because this is the weird thing. When you watch a load of MCU films and come back to these, it's like, oh, this is this is not fun. It's it's entertaining, but I'm not having a lot of fun. It's quite I... po-faced, but at the same time, it's not too dark and gritty for the sake of it. It's quite. Se- it's quite a serious superhero film. Yeah, I. I don't know, man. I. 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 I... This felt like another another X Men movie to me. There were bits that weren't. There were bits that were raised a bit above. Yeah, but I mean, mainly the the, the last the last third feels like a. You, they just there's there's a, a higher level of sophistication, I think, in the MCU movies. Oh, I, I, think I like the, that word being used. I for think MCU. the dialogue. Mm. I think the pacing. The I think I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. They, it all moves a lot smoother and a lot. I can't put this in words terribly well, but there's something. There's a definite. There's different. These X Men movies all feel dated and old. All of yeah, them. Yeah, they they do not age well. Sadly. Mm. Yeah. Also, I'm liking Harada. 
He, he's he's a bit of a badass. He's quite good in this. I, I just he's very bland, dull character. I I didn't like him at all. And I, I, there was something about him I liked. I mean, it, I, I, you know, he wasn't amazing, but I kind of liked him. Bit of a badass. Mm. We're not going to agree on that. Fine. No, I just no. said I said I didn't agree at the start, and you kept asking me. They no, did, they I didn't agree. agree. I thought if I circled the I, airport, I, I quite like nin- I like ninjas. I like people who are who like are archers, but I didn't get anything from him. He just I didn't I don't know. I wanted more personality That's or fair. something. Also, uh, an incredibly large inheritance, and your family are after you because of it. Just a normal day. Just <laughs> crazy. How do you mean? I don't know. It's just it's just. That's a, such that's that's like a story in itself, isn't it? This you know you forget all the supernatural elements. That's just, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's so much going on here because of that. It's it's like a nice. It's almost like a murder mystery. Could could almost be that if someone actually did get murdered. Mm, yeah. yeah. So the Black Ninja Clan. Let's get onto that. Are they a big part of Wolverine's Japanese adventure? No, in the miniseries, it's a ninja clan called the Hand. Ah ha! I reckon, of course, from Daredevil and Marvel and stuff. I'm yeah. guessing that the movie rights to the Hand were tied up with uh, Daredevil, so they couldn't use them for this movie. That would make sense. So they have to introduce the Black Ninja Clan. Um, so Frank Miller had introduced the Hand in on on his seminal Daredevil run. Mm. Um, and this miniseries is that because I think they were only introduced like the year before this. Or maybe the same, yeah, in 81, I think, around that time. So this miniseries is like the first time appearing outside of Daredevil in another Marvel comic and mm. kind of saying, hey, we're part of the Marvel Universe, right? <laughs> like, Clement using them here, it's like a, it's almost like a thing of going, well, they're not just going to vanish when this guy stops writing Daredevil. Yeah. And from here on out, the hand will become perennial part of the, of the Marvel Universe um, universe, a perennial part of its underworlds, and and of Wolverine stories, they become major villains for Wolverine as much as they are for Daredevil, who are the people they were kind of created for. Mm. Um, a bit like how Kingpin, it was a major Spider-Man villain, but then also became the major Daredevil villain. It's kind of a yeah, it depends on who's using him. Um, so the Hand we later find out are very very old. Um, and they very nefarious over the years. They seek power in different forms, and they use their lethal skills to become like assassins to manipulate political situations and wars and things. They have a big uh, generational adversary in this kind of band of supernatural esque warriors mm. called the Chaste, who are led by Stick. Stick is the uh, martial arts master and and sensei of Matt Murdock yeah. and Electra, um, and for um, a period of time, Electra thought she was infiltrating the Hand to learn stuff and destroy them from within to impress her mentor Stick, but she ended up just doing way too many evil things to while she was pretending to be part of the hand and ended up compromising herself so much she was like how is this any different from just being in the hand oh god what have i done um and she was very kind of corrupted by all of that um they're more than just ninja assassins okay um and they're more than just an organized crime clan in japan mm. they they they're this kind of 
pseudo-religious cabal slash cult that worship a demon known as the Beast, mm. and they are rife with powerful black magic and mysticism. They have perfected the ability to resurrect the dead. Ooh. Um, it's something they do with um, Electra, and when they resurrect the dead... They return the lost so they they control the souls and they make them faithful servants of 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 the beast Ooh. and of the hand and they've done this to many of their own warriors over the years and in 2004 they partner up with hydra <laughs> in order to murder wolverine and bring him back from the dead as a loyal servant of both the hand and hydra and of course for the full story on that you got to head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel because that's the basis for Enemy of the State. Oh, wow. Back to the film. Yukio contacts Mariko trying to find her, but Mariko insists she is fine. During a walk in Nagasaki, Logan, still feeling weak, discovers the ornate public footpath he is walking along is built on top of the POW camp he was held during the atomic bombing. This triggers a memory from 1945 where Yashida and himself take cover in the well he was held in, tries to give Logan his sword, but the mutant refuses. When it's safe to ascend, they both climb up to the surface. Yashida starts crying when he sees the the destruction the atomic bomb has caused. Logan tells Mariko about this flashback, while the two eventually start to fall in love. That night, they sleep together, and Logan has another dream about about Jean Grey. As well as an armored samurai trying Genie Gry. <laughs> as well as an armored samurai trying to kill him. Logan wakes up in a fright and Mariko asks who Jean Grey is. Logan tells her she's dead. Elsewhere, Yukio wakes up in a fright and yelling out Logan's name. This is a, a nice tragic moment here with the XPOW camp I fought. It was a nice little Oh my god, look how much time has yeah. passed. This was the site of something absolutely horrible, but now it's a nice footpath and everybody's well, well, basically, because it was awful, yeah. awful what happened. Uh, yeah. Do you think it could have been, it would have been a bit odd if they, if they linked Yashida's cancer caused by, was caused by the nuclear fallout? Don't know. Like, um, it's, it's been a bit too long for it to be, to be like, anything majorly linked to it i thought could that have been a nice little li- well i say nice it's horrible could that have been a like a little callback like ah because of the bombing i now have cancer but it's been too don't long no really yeah. i don't really know i mean yeah i'm not i i i i don't think narratively speaking it would have served yeah served true well uh, it doesn't. This bit doesn't serve any narrative speaking. But Logan has the same razor as me. <laughs> I oh, spotted God. it a mile away. I have a safety razor. And I went, ah, it's mine. Also, I get the feeling. Good. Good. Like I, I like these bits where stuff reminds me of me. <laughs> Your brain gives you dopamine or serotonin when you see something you recognize. Yeah. That's it's a very big thing for you. That's why I like all these TV shows that just do like, hey, remember yeah. this. Yeah, I love that. It's great. Yeah, it's why. It's why. But uh, uh, more and more of 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 like viewing public are going the same way. It's why cameos are big. It's why Easter eggs are big. Oh, I know what that is. And your brain. Oh, that's rewarded me. Yeah. Every now and again, uh, I watch that South Park episode with the member berries, and every time I watch it, it seems even more 
it, it, it's just it's just incredibly inspired little little bit of satire. All, all of all of Hollywood is going in that direction. Yeah. There's there's nothing new in Hollywood anymore, is there? No, no. It's the, the next the next movie they're making is a movie about how the Godfather movie was made. I saw that. What the hell is that? Oh, I, no, no. Unless look, look, just I, give money to people who are writing new stories. I understand, like the disaster artist. I understand that. That's a, you know obviously that's a different thing. But that just seems like. Oh, this is a documentary that should be on Disney Plus or something. This isn't a, a movie in itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's because they're um, they have to retain copyright control over old old uh, old things. So they have no. To- it's because they're just they're just um, far too cautious to spend money on you on, on anything that's not proven. Bloody hell, it was different back in the seventies. Also, uh, I get the feeling that Famke Janssen, who played uh, Jeannie Jeannie Grey. Filmed all her bits in half an hour. I felt like like the entire all her scenes could have been done in half an hour, and then that was her needed. Well, I don't think there were. I I thought she was actually. I think I preferred her in this to anything else, any other Jean Grey stuff I've seen her in. I I, I um yeah. I don't think it was rushed. I I don't know. It it just felt like that that she only ever appears in this kind of situation, and it's like I just thought from, yeah, she's doing short scenes, doing short scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you, you like you you prefer her when she's in short scenes and dead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> she's very, she's a very dull character. Yeah. yeah. And then she's the center of a very terrible movie. <laughs> don't, I'm not interested. I like that. I like that uh, concise summary. So, what can you tell us then? Let's get, let's get to. Uh, what can you tell us about Madical? Um, she introduced in in, in uh, X Men stories in in the very late seventies. Um, John Byrne, who was one of the co-creators along with um, Chris Clement, um, he said that Mariko was based on a character called Lady Toda Mariko from um, a very famous novel, 1970s mm. novel called Shogun by James Clavell. Okay. Um, he wrote a series of, of, of novels about kind of feudal Japan. Mm. It was hugely successful and popular. It sold like... 15, 16 million copies, and it became a smash hit Emmy Award winning TV miniseries in 1980. Mm. Um, Shogun's kind of uh, about the rise of a type of military leader slash dictator. Mm. Seen through the eyes of an English sailor who who kind of gets shipwrecked and ends up in in in, in Japan and having adventures and becomes like essentially a Western samurai. Um, and in that there there is a character called um, Lady uh, Lady Mariko. Mm. Um, and John uh, John Byrne said I I just had read Shogun, which Chris had not read at the time at the point, and I just absolutely wanted to steal that character. So in the in the Shogun novels, Lady Mariko is a woman. Bound, but also conflicted by honor and 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 family duty, um, and she falls in love with a roguish westerner. Mm. So you know you can see you can see the similarities there. <laughs> yeah. um, so in 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 the comics, Mariko and Wolverine, they first meet when the X Men come to Japan looking for the help of Mariko's cousin, mm. who is the Japanese superhero Sunfire. Okay, who um, Sunfire is part of? We talked about how the X Men got cancelled, yeah, in in the nineteen seventies, then relaunched in like seventy five with this new team that was Wolverine, Storm, and Colossus, and it was going to have a, ca- a character from lots of different countries and ethnic backgrounds, and Sunfire is part of that team. Mm. 
Um, he's a very, very powerful, solar-powered mutant with the ability to create intense heat and fire and stuff. So he's one of these, those kind of... When Wolverine first joined the X-Men, Sunfire was one of those, you know, original guys, along with Banshee and, yeah, Colossus and Nightcrawler. So they go to Japan looking for Sunfire and meet his cousin, Mariko. Um, mm. And she's at first very scared of Wolverine, you know, yeah. brutish animal type guy. But she finds herself very attracted to him and was in char- he's charmed by her, she's charmed by... He likes her refined manner. And he kind of likes, you know, the thuggish brute and the, the, the dainty princess. That's kind of a <laughs> bit of a romantic trope. Yeah. And they spent a great deal of time together in Japan. And she then comes to visit him and the X-Men in New York. And they really seem to fall in love during mm. that visit. Um, and when the miniseries begins, Wolverine, as I said, is is concerned that she just stops writing back. And then he finds out that she's been forced to marry uh, um, a man called Noburu, who we same name as this, mm. um, who is a criminal. Uh, criminal. He's not a crime lord. He's quite a pathetic figure. Okay. Um, but he is a criminal associate, and he is part of a, a criminal family. Mm. Um, and he's a cruel man as well. And we see, you know, he's an abuser, and he beats Mariko, um, and she kind of refuses to leave him, and duty-bound, and all of that. And this is what kicks off the, the, the Japanese adventure, the miniseries. Um, so while Yukio represents this wild, animal, hedonistic, self-interest side of Wolverine, mm. Mariko is the polar opposite. She represents honor and duty and the things he's kind of striving to be more like. She represents this big theme that we've got in this story of doing something and seeing something through even though it causes you pain and suffering because it's something you it's something you believe is the right the right thing to to do mariko represents like the rejection of self-interest okay the next morning logan is shocked to see yakuza dragging mariko away from the house he pursues but it's too late However, he manages to capture one of the thugs and forcefully interrogates him. Yukio arrives shortly after and takes Logan to, no- to Noburo, corrupt minister for justice and Mariko's f- uh, fiancé. Yukio is scared for Logan, saying she saw him die in a very brutal manner, holding his heart out in his hands. Entering Noburo's apartment... Can I just, find- just interject there? Hmm. Have you seen... There's a thing, uh, quite a popular video and stuff on... The internet that draws a parallel from that prediction mm. to the way Logan dies in Logan. Oh, I like, forgot how he this, dies in Logan. Well, he he holds the young girl he's protecting in his hands. So it's the idea that she actually is his heart. Ah, uh, and there's that kind of, and so that they uh, they perhaps carried the thread across because it's the same, you know, director and things like that. Oh, that's and, sweet. Mm, I thought that was interesting. I'm, I'm look. I'm really looking forward to covering that film. I it's interesting when it. they kind of pay off. Um, yeah. If it's a, if it, maybe it's just a fan making a connection, but I thought it was quite an interesting uh, thing. I've seen a lot of those, and a lot of, a lot of the time they're rubbish. But every now and again, you just go, ah, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Entering the borough's apartment, they find him parting in his pants with two women. Logan starts questioning with Naburo, confessing that he conspired with Shinjin to have the Yakuza kidnap Mariko because Ichiro left control of the company to Mariko and not Shinjin. After question time is over, Logan throws Naburo out of the window and into a pool below. So, uh, <laughs> I like the Arnie-style lot one-liner. How do you know there was a pool down there? I didn't. That's and I've heard that a lot in, in as a trope. I don't like that. I've heard it an awful lot in movies and stuff. I it, not I haven't not a fan. I, I haven't heard that something like that in a long time. It feels like an eighties or a nineties film. And I yeah. And every now and again, I like, I like a little badass line like that. I know it's you know. Uh, have a bad don't mind a badass line that exact action and that exact line I've seen multiple times and I don't I don't want to see it again. Oh, I I can't recall, but I, I'll probably ask you afterwards. Yukio's power sounds like a headache, though, doesn't it? Predicting the future? Well, just seeing people's deaths, really. Like, it's predicting your future, but a specific is that, part is that, of it. Is that, is that what she says her power is? She can just see death? She just, I thought it was seeing uh, death. I thought it was seeing death. I don't really... I don't really... I don't really, I don't really think they really... They didn't really pay. They didn't make it seem like it was a big deal. They, yeah, they they really shoved it in and just said, "Oh, by the way, I can do this." But really thinking about it, that is a horrible superpower. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why she needs to have it. It doesn't do anything in the movie. Yeah, it, uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about this now, and I'm going, all it did was make her go to Wolverine, and there was plenty of other. <laughs> There was plenty of a motivation to do that anyway, not just I saw your brutal death with my superpower that is barely useful. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Wolverine, Yukio, they make a nice team here. Does anything like this happen in the comics? Because it sounds like they're pretty they're better suited in the comics than here. Um mm, better suited yeah, I guess, maybe. Yeah, it's so Wolverine ends up being manipulated by Yukio hmm. into getting into a huge brawl with the hand okay. at a very upscale theater. Hmm. Um and it, and this this happens in front of the clan like Yoshida and and their kind of lots of other business people in aristocracy. And during this fight, Wolverine loses absolute control. Um gives himself over to the violence. Um, something that used to happen to Wolverine quite a lot in the in the older comics that was referred to as Berserker Rage, mm. um, where he goes kind of full animal. He wipes out all these assassins and his claws, and his inner monologue explains it perfectly. Very clipped phrases. I lost control. I feel sick. I feel great. And... <sighs> That's the real conflict of Wolverine at this time. Mm. Um, he loves violence. He loves fighting. He loves losing himself to the animal. But he also hates it. Um, and, and Mariko sees all this. Like, not yeah. only did she see him shame himself and lose control with her father, but this is like seeing a wild animal. She's terrified of him. Mm. And she cries and, and runs away. And this breaks Wolverine. Heart and soul, mind broken. He knows that seeing him like that has probably ended any feelings she had for him. That her fear of him will always now be greater 
than anything else she fears she feels. Mm. So he goes Wolverine goes on this weeks long bender with Yukio. Gives into the animal and they just go drinking and fighting and screwing all over Tokyo. Um the third issue of the mini series is called Lost. And it starts with a drunk Wolverine fighting a disgraced sumo wrestler in a bar <laughs> and hurling him through the um the, 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 the window while Yukio giggles and loves it. Um and they're on just kind of this bender of self destruction and and like yeah, indulgence and that's where they're playing um chicken with the uh, bullet train comes from. If you look mm. at the images I've sent you, um there is an image of uh, a guy being thrown through a window. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I can see that one. And uh, it, I mean and just take a look at that artwork as well. It's very clear, isn't it? Crisp, clear. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Crisp. Oh, it's it's wonderful. I mean, it is and quite see, simple. If we're looking back, yeah. At it. Uh, but also, Frank Miller gets in the neon signs of of Tokyo, yeah. and then you can see that figure reclining in the background. That is, uh, it doesn't come, it doesn't make any appearance in this movie. But that's one of Wolverine's old friends. When was this? Um, um, when was this done? When was this released? 82 82 so early 80s yeah i can tell that yeah and since we're looking i mean i mean can you see the one where he's fighting all the different ninjas i mean that's an incredible scene as well oh yeah yeah bit of artwork i appreciate they've got like the white in the background to save on on ink but this is this is effective oh i i I don't i mean if you look at how frank miller's career progresses it's Mm. not to save on ink he likes the stark contrast as well and if you can you see the one where wolverine's kind of head is all in darkness yeah, that's um, a good one. So that's the scene where he's just gone full berserker on all the on all the the the, the ninjas, in, and that's what Mariko sees. See, this this reminds me the way it's stark contrast, the purple on the stuff that's out of focus. This reminds me, and uh, I, I have a limited experience of Frank Miller, obviously, but this reminds me of the Dark Knight Returns. There was a, it had that same kind of feel to it in terms of. Color blocking, yeah. Color blocking, some, some of that, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, that's the that's the big um, that's the time that Ma- Wolverine, Logan and Yukio kind of go around together the most in in the comic. It's when he's just completely lost who he is mm. um, because he knows Mariko has completely rejected him. And FYI, the entire the entire thing has been engineered by Yukio. So we learn in the miniseries, Yukio has actually been working for Lord Shingen all along from the start. Mm. She's his pet assassin who goes out murdering all of his rivals and is meant to have already killed Wolverine for Lord Shingen. But Yukio really does want Logan to be hers. So she, um, she delays killing him, betrays her master, but also engineers this little plan where she knows Wolverine will lose complete control uh, right in front of Mariko, knowing that will really separate them. Wow. At Shinjin's compound, Mariko is brought before her father, who starts threatening her. Meanwhile, outside, ninjas from the Black Clan take out all the guards and whisk Mariko away. 
As Mariko starts to fight back, Harada reveals himself to her, so she knows she's in safe hands. Meanwhile, Viper enters Shinjin's office and poisons him. Shortly after, Logan and Yukio arrive to find the place empty, apart from a message on a corpse telling them to come and get her with a picture of a building in the mountains. Using the x-ray machine in the room that Yashiro was previously using, Logan hops on and scans his body, finding the cause of his lack of healing mutation, a parasite latched to his heart. Ignoring Yukio's pleas to stop, as this is how she saw Logan die, Logan cuts open his own chest and reaches in to take out the parasite with his bare hands. This was a very uncomfortable scene to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, very uncomfortable. It reminds. Did you ever see? Um, did you ever see uh, Prometheus? Oh yes. Do you remember that bit where she got the alien inside her and she goes on the auto, the automatic surgery machine and gets it basically cesareaned out of her? Yeah, and then there's a sit up immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I noticed that. Went, that wouldn't happen. You've been needing like weeks of recovery or whatever. But yeah, I it, it had that same effect on me. That sort of horrible surgery horror on oneself and i've rarely mm. ever seen that sort of thing in a film because i don't watch any of the saw films or any uh you know gory horror mm. so we've got viper here again i think it's time to talk about her I, I assume she's a character from the original stories because you guessed her right away do you remember our exploration of Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., with David Hasselhoff? The Hoffman, yes. Who was the female villain in that? It was Viper. But, oh, was Madam, it? Yes. Madam Hydra. Yes, because she was supposed to be, yeah. Not the Red Skull's descendant or a descendant of someone in Hydra, basically. Baron von Strucker's. That was it, Baron von Strucker's descendant, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Viper is a serpent-themed criminal Right. Um, in in who first turns up in 1970s Captain America series with bright green hair, um, <laughs> and she's connected to Wolverine. So as soon as they said that that Western Doctor was called uh, Doctor Green, I went, Ah, I bet that's Viper. Oh. Even though she's got blonde hair, yeah. green, and oh, an evil Western. So yeah, so she is um, snake themed, part of the Serpent Squad. We've talked about her before. She's very ruthless and black-hearted. She takes over the Serpent Squad gang. She loves death and chaos. Very, like, she's one of the most twisted and disturbed characters in, in villains in, in Marvel. She she will murder people because she's bored, because it makes her feel something, um, because she truly believes a lot of people should not be alive. Um she creates a big criminal network that mm. plagues Captain America and also Spider-Woman as well. Um, and she allies herself with the Red Skull. They have this flirtatious, but also, you know, working relationship, but it's kind of flirtatious, but it's awful. And it's and she, <laughs> she loves death and violence and chaos. Red Skull's amused by her. But after a while... Viper proves to be too chaotic for the Red Skull. Bloody hell. Um, and he's like, she's, she's a liability. That one is a mad ting, bruv. Um, and um, he cuts her loose. But yeah, she gets, she does, she's involved in, with the X-Men. Um, she will, after the miniseries we're talking about, um, she does get involved and try to poison all the X-Men and stuff and... Um, she, you'll have to get to some of this later. Yeah, 
But years down the line, she marries Wolverine. She blackmails Wolverine into marrying her as a means to secure her criminal empire in Madripoor. Um, it's a big, big secret as to the what she's blackmailing him with, and hopefully we'll get into it one day. Um, and it's a marriage of convenience and a marriage of force, but she also does kind of uh, strong-arm Wolverine into consummating the marriage. Mm. Um, and, yeah. He, he does manage to blackmail her. Eventually, he blackmails her into getting a divorce. But yes, Viper, aka Madame Hydra, not a mutant, not a no mu- poison yep. powers, um, old enemy of Captain America, and then like the global kind of old enemy of the Shield and America and everything. She's she's fought against everyone at one time or another. What do you think about making her a mutant in this film? I mean, they make everyone a mutant in this film. <laughs> Aside from Mariko, everyone's a mutant. Yeah, I, I, I quite like her powers. I think her powers are quite cool, actually. See, I didn't, I didn't realize. So obviously, I went, "Oh, it's a mutant I've never seen before," and just went along with it. I went, "Ah, you know, whatever. You know, they've done it interesting. You know, there's some stuff that happens later that I found interesting." But yeah, it, it, from your perspective, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> With that. But she's nothing like she's nothing like the Viper from the comics, so yeah. it doesn't really. She's nothing at all like Viper from the comics. They could have just they, so, they could have made someone new up. Could have called her Adder, or yeah, another snake name, Cobra. I'm not going to list. We've found snakes this a lot, though, haven't we? They just they take a character and they go, oh, it'll be this person who's mildly connected. Uh, never mind. In this in this movie, he's a, he opens the door. And says table for one. So yeah, that could be a major character from the comics. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll give him an armored suit, and he's a new character, but with the same name. Waiter number one. Uh, just then, Shinjin bursts in wearing samurai armor and brandishing a sword. Yukio and Shinjin fight while Logan continues in great pain to remove the parasite. As Logan pulls out the parasite, he begins to flatline. Shinjin advances slow Logan's body, but Mariko defends him as the two... Sorry, he advances on Logan's body. As the two continue to fight, Logan's body starts to rapidly heal. With his powers returned, Logan bolts off the machine and fights Shinjin, who is horrified that the mutant's powers have returned. Logan, knowing that there's no way Shinjin can beat him, tells him, you try to kill your daughter live with that and walks away but the enraged Shinjin attacks with his sword only for Logan to kill him finding information on the house of the Yoshidas as well as blueprints for a samurai suit the two leave the compound to save Mariko has uh, Wolverine uh, it's just just uh, it's 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 Yukio who defends Wolverine while he's having surgery not Mariko, Mariko. oh uh, I just, uh, got you could have said just that in case it. our audience get a little confused sorry yeah. I got the names. Yeah, it was a hot day when I when I did this episode. When I did the notes. So, uh, has Wolverine ever lost his healing factor in the comics like this? Several times, so yeah. Um, in the 90s, there's a story called Fatal Attraction, which mm. ends with Wolverine, uh, Magneto using his magnetic powers to liquefy... The essentially liquid. Well, he tears the adamantium out of 
Wolverine's body on, on almost like a molecular scale. Yeah. It comes it becomes almost liquid and pours and, and comes right out of his pores and his skin and rips its way out, causing multiple like um lacerations, cuts, heavy, heavy bleeding. These injuries overload Wolverine's healing factor. Mm. This is when we first discovered that Wolverine has bone claws. Previously, it was believed that the Wolverine's adamantium claws were part of his adamantium skeleton and the Weapon X program. But when this all happens to him and all the adamantium comes out, Wolverine discovers bone claws that tear through his hands. Ooh. And he, because of his memory loss, he did not know he had these before. Oh, yes. He can't remember, his, he can't remember all parts of his life. Yeah. Um, and so the claws are actually part of his bone structure, his mutation. But the it, it it is a, it appears that his healing factor is gone. Okay. I think what is essentially I think I'm fairly certain this is what I remember and I'm I'm, I'm I, maybe I projected this but I'm fairly certain I read this that essentially what's happened is his body is going through so much trauma after having adamantium ripped out of it hmm. that it can't cope with any new injuries. It's just absolutely overloaded to keep his body alive and to keep him in, in check right yeah yeah so anything new that happens to him effectively acts it goes unhealed but it's not his, his healing factor doesn't necessarily go anywhere and and it does re- he quits when, when it happens he quits the x-men he travels around the world um for a while to try and come to terms with the loss of his powers it does eventually kind of return. And then there's something called the death of Wolverine story, which I hope we'll get to one day. And he discovers on a shield on a shield mission, Wolverine gets infected by a microvirus that starts to shut down his healing factor. Um, and there's a they have a, an adventure in the meanwhile, at the end the end of the adventure you expect the healing factor to kind of get turned back on, but it's like, nope. Nothing we can do. Um, he, he tries. He goes around the world trying to find ways to reactivate this healing factor. Um, so he goes to um, Reed Richards and Tony Stark, and and um, he talks to Hank McCoy and things. Beast, but all options, you know, don't work, and it turns out nothing can be done. And at the same time, as this happens, a bounty is placed on his head. Um, so he's in real, real jeopardy, and this is all leading towards Wolverine's um, death, which is a big event that, that I'm sure we will cover on, on on a bonus show. Oh, absolutely! At the house of Yashida, which contains a large medical facility, Viper reveals to Mariko the Silver Samurai, an electromechanical suit of Japanese armor with energized katanas made of adamantium. Outside, Logan runs into Harada and the two fight, with Harada calling in for reinforcements. One by one, Harada's men spike Logan with poisoned arrows etched with wire, gradually slowing him down until he passes out. Waking up clamped to a high-tech chair at the medical facility next to the Silver Samurai, Logan questions Viper as to Mariko's whereabouts. Mariko, seeing Logan struggle elsewhere, is then told by Harada that even though Viper is evil, she is a means to an end. Just then, the Silver Samurai rises from its throne and approaches Logan, as Harada tells Mariko that they can still be together. As they kiss, Mariko stabs Harada and escapes. I have to say, that bit 
with Logan with all the lo- arrows sticking out. That was a great visual. I, I really mm. like that. Taken from the from the comics, one of the other images I sent you, um, there's a dream sequence. It's the very orange one. There's a dream sequence that Wolverine has, Logan has at one point, about trying to get to Madiko, and he is um, impaled um, dozens and dozens of times, hundreds of times by arrows again and again. Are you sending it to me and now? So, no, it's part of what I already sent you. I don't see that there. <laughs> there's quite an orange one, is there? Oh. There's one of the ninjas. There's one of him saying, "Come here." There's uh, one of him looking dark, and the ones we basically all the ones we. Uh, perhaps I'm, I'm sorry. Perhaps I missed it. It, uh, I, it would it would screw up our connection and take too long to send you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, they they took it directly from a, a dream sequence, and they it's it's one of the most it's one of the iconic, and I think it was the back cover yeah. as well on some of the trades. So. They obviously wanted to recreate that. I did. Um, see, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I bet that's from the comics because that is mm, such a stark visual. It is, yeah. But in the miniseries, how does uh, Wolverine go about trying to save Medico? Hmm. He has hmm. to gear up to it um, because he's, you know, issue three, he is lost um, and he doesn't. he's not going to do anything. Um, he has this big fight, a fight with Yukio mm. and with the hand. And he finds himself in a in a destroyed Zen garden. Um, all the carefully laid out patterns of the Zen garden, the order and the symmetry, have been completely ruined by all the fighting. Oh, okay. Um, and he kind of looks at this, and uh, his he says to himself. No matter how hard I strive for inner serenity, I always screw up. Mm. So why bother? That's Yukio's philosophy. Be what you are. Why fight it? Mariko wants, makes me want to change, to grow, to temper the berserker in me. I love them both. I failed them both. Ooh. But worse, I failed myself because I lost myself. And as he sets about after this brutal fight, this delicate, intricate work of fixing the Zen garden around him <laughs> and restoring order to the chaos that he created. He has this epiphany about his life that as people, we are not trapped by our nature. We can choose to be something different, to be something better, to strive for something more. And as long as, long as we keep doing the work we can we can choose that we can be what we choose to be as long as we keep trying to to do it and so he re, he, he resolves this inner turmoil that we've had through the whole miniseries about man versus beast yeah about the darker nature and that sets him down the path to absolutely destroy shinjin wow and he goes on this one man mission all over tokyo to dismantle his criminal network one slice at a time so he is terrorizing drug dealers drug traffickers pimps gangsters just tearing through them all leaving all these taunting messages the wolverine is coming the wolverine is coming um i'm coming for him um and 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 challenging ching jen publicly and insulting his honor and his manhood mm. and it not only cripples shingen's business but it causes this deep wound to his pride I think it's also worth pointing out here that he, Logan is not going to save Mariko. Mm. He, that's not his put. 
That's not on the table. He is going to kill Shinjen for justice and to stop the evil and the poison and the corruption that he's pouring out into Tokyo. He's been warned that Shingen is going to become powerful enough to become a bigger monster in Japan, a global, um, um, a more national um, criminal. Um, Wolverine knows... Wolverine knows Mariko, and he knows that once he murders her father, she will be honour-bound to become his enemy and try to avenge her family honour and her father's death. But like the 47 Ronin that he talks about earlier and that we talked about, Logan is going to see through this very difficult thing to the bitter end, Hmm. despite the fact it will cause him great personal pain and anguish. He is taking the truly honourable path of no self-interest. Oh, wow. Back to the film. As the Silver Samurai raises its swords ready to kill Logan, Mariko jumps in the way, causing the Samurai to miss and destroy Logan's constraints. Logan and Mariko make a run for it with Viper in pursuit, but she is taken out by one of Harada's poison arrows and falls to the platform below. Cornered by the Silver Samurai, Logan tackles the mechanical being to the platforms below, telling Mariko to get out as Adamantium strikes Adamantium. Get out! Get out! As Adamantium strikes Adamantium, the Silver Samurai produces a heated blade which effortlessly and horrifically slices off Logan's blades. Elsewhere, Viper recovers and, like her namesake, starts shedding her skin to remove the poison. As Logan continues battling the large robot, Yukio faces up against Viper. Before Silver Samurai can kill Logan, Harada jumps in, saving Logan and stabbing the robot through the helmet with a poisoned arrow, pleading with the robot and calling it Master. As the robot kills Harada, Logan picks up the heated blade, diving at and decapitating the mechanical being, causing them both to fall even further below. A tearful Mariko finds a lifeless body of Harada. Just realise this now. The film, his adventure starts off with a poisoned arrow, and then a poisoned yeah. arrow saves him late. I did not uh, realise that until now, the, the little linking callback there. Mm. I... I, I know a few people complained that the last third of this film is where it fell down a bit. It does feel like <laughs> the, that whoever's making the film or whatever just goes, oh no, we've only got 20 minutes to go and we need to do something weird. Quick, let's put a giant robot in there. It does feel a bit out of place, doesn't it? Yeah, because we've just had this really down-to-earth character driven in some places film uh and you know a pursuit happening and all this and then it it feels i know it's a comic book film but it feels a bit too comic comic booky if that makes sense it feels tonally out of place yeah absolutely tonally out of place also oh i don't know seeing seeing logan having his claws swiped off just i don't know just made me sad it's uh, emasculating, isn't it? It's a castration of sorts. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Mm. It just felt sad. The big it? macho Wolverine gets his uh, his bits chopped he off. He gets the snip. Um, mm. The Silver Samurai, I assume, that appeared in the uh, Wolverine comics. Uh, yeah, lots of. Com- He's not a 
robot dude or or a giant big thing like he's not a, a Power Ranger thing. I'm all ears. Uh, Kenichio Harada is a mutant, and we discover after the miniseries he is the illegitimate son of Shinjen Harada. The crime lord that is the main focus of the miniseries. Mm. He is Mariko's half brother, that was a secret and was illegitimate for many years. Yeah. He has the ability to uh, generate this field of energy from within his body, and he can focus it through, I think, anything metal. So he typically focuses it through his armor, his silver samurai armor, and his sword, which create something like what you see here mm. it's it, it, it is when fully charged with energy the silver samurai's sword can cut through anything Oof, pretty much yeah um he was a d- disciple of many different like um samurai and ninja and stuff and became um very highly trained and sought work for hire as a as a warrior and ended up working for supervillains. He he fought Daredevil in his very first appearance. He was like the hand, he was created to fight Daredevil to begin with. Um Harada then ended up working for the Viper and working for Hydra um as a bodyguard and <laughs> that brought him into conflict with lots of different superheroes like Nick Fury and mm. Shang Chi and the Black Widow. And it's during this period of time that he battled Spider-Man on the set of Saturday Night Live in an issue of Marvel Team-Up from 1978. Oh, here we go. He battles the 1974 cast of Saturday Night Live, (laughs) including Jim Belushi... Including, I'm going to lose the, the names. Including, the, you know, the um, uh, Bill Murray, Bill, Bill Murray, Murray in still, the Marvel comic yeah. on the on the front cover, um, and they battle around the Thirty Rock, <laughs> where Saturday Night Live is filmed. Bloody yeah, the original hell. cast in Spider Man Team Up in 1978, fighting the Samurai, the Silver Samurai, um, and it remains in continuity. It definitely <laughs> happened. Um, Although, due to Marvel's sliding timescale... Here we go. Jim Belushi and the, the basically the cast, in re- when they're referenced, they get updated every time the reference is made. They- so the last time it was referenced, it was like, oh yeah, when uh, you met Chris Farley, <laughs> who was 20 years later down the line. Yeah. Um, uh, and this slice of Marvel madness will be the subject of the September edition of Obscure Marvel. I'm going to take Will and whoever's with us on Patreon all the way through the issue. We're going to have a great time doing that. Oh, I can't wait. Obscure Marvel is available to everyone that subscribes to us. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel to see several samurai and Spider-Man fight the Saturday Night Live crew of Bill Murray, Jim Belushi and others. I can't wait for that. I cannot wait. As Logan struggles to climb out of the pit, the silver samurai cuts off the mutant's remaining claws Elsewhere, Yukio faces up against Viper again, and the two fight, leading to Yukio tying the mutant's neck to an elevator cable and forcing the elevator weights down, pulling the mutant up and another elevator weight down, striking Viper and killing her <laughs> instantly. You've said elevator like a hundred times, though. It just amused Sorry, me. Sorry, should I say lift? 
Elevator cable, elevator weight down, pulling another well, elevator this, weight down. This is this is this is the problem. Like you, you, you sometimes she say, kills it with the lift. You got boom. You, you, you're criticizing me for not writing clearly, and then I have written too clearly. <laughs> the silver samurai starts to drill through the bones where Logan's claws used. This to be. bit no. sucked. Oh, didn't I, like that. Do you know what I just started doing the moment I read this bit out? My hand started moving in an uncomfortable way. Oh, I, I'll yeah. talk about that in a bit. Actually, I'll talk about that now. This is brutal, isn't it? This is a brutal mm. thing. It's it's just drilling out bone marrow. Yeah, that's awful. Unsubscribe. No, thank you. Unsubscribe. Do not want. <laughs> no. Reject. Yeah. Customer feedback. No. Yeah. The causing great pain as the mutant is pulled up. He is surprised to see inside where the robot's head used to be. Yashida who's been kept alive using this armor. Drilling into Logan's bone marrow extracts the mutant's healing abilities as per Yashida's wishes. As Logan's powers are drained and Yashida starts to grow younger and healthier, Mariko approaches her grandfather from behind with Logan's severed claws and stabs Yashida in the head, allowing Logan to tear the suit of armor away and newly regrown bone claws before killing Yashida. Collapsing on the floor in front of Mariko and Yukio, Logan passes out and has one final hallucination of Jean in which he f- decides to finally let her go. As well as the utterly brutal bone marrow uh, drilling, brutal death for Viper. Oh, yeah. Horrible. Yeah, that was quite nice. I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was like... It wasn't It wasn't like a... Uh, like, like, like gory. It was just horrible. It was almost yeah. accidental. Yeah. Yeah. Did 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 you at any stage watching this movie yeah. ever think that Yashida died at the start and he wasn't no, the overall villain? No, no. I was like, I was like, he's in that robot, isn't he? He's in that robot. Even before we knew there was a robot, I was just like, but Yashida's behind everything, isn't he? Yeah. Because he wants the. I. Uh, it, it would be yeah. such a waste if they didn't make it like that. Because even if it was just like, ah, but it was a chance encounter and then this led to this, it was nothing more than a bit of uh, serendipity that this happened, causing this whole sequence of events. Like, no, you have to turn it, roll it back around with him at the end being kept yeah. alive somewhere. Can't do- Plus, you know, it's a very comic book thing to do. So what- It's actually more of an, it's, I think it's, very, it's a very noir thing to do. It- it's a very noir thing of obscuring who the actual person behind it all is and realizing the person that hired you or brought you there in we go. is actually the person behind every it's a very noir thing there we go that makes more sense what is logan's final fight with yashida like in the comics i assuming he's alive at this point and inside not inside a giant robot <laughs> yes there's no giant robot Hooray! He, 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 he fights his way through the hand and gets into the compound yeah. and their last fight mirrors the first fight symmetrically in the Ooh. panels Ooh. except Except the first fight in issue one, they use practice wooden bokan. Yeah. And in issue four, it mirrors it perfectly, but with real blades. Oh, I love Wolverine that. Wolverine using his claws and um, Shinjen using uh, an actual m- the Murasara blade. A true visual um, callback. I love that. Just as silent. Um, there's this great scene that I remember as, as a kid, and I always remember, is they both leap at each other mm. and swipe in the air. And you see Wolverine lands, and you see on the tip of his claws a couple of inches of blood. Yeah. And he says, I cut deep. 
and then you see um, Shinjin's blade, and it's bl- like half of it is bloody goes, but he cuts deeper, and so they leap. It's just this, oh. it's this great. There's just so many great moments. Because um, when you're saying that, all I can think of is the jump, jump into each other, slice, land, and then figuring yeah, out who's got who. That's, that's it. That, that's such that's a trope. It, yeah. That is such a trope. But to but do to that, do it in a comic, not, not only where to do, it's step by step, not only to do it in a comic, but to do that, I got him. But he got me even worse. And yeah, that is yeah, good. And it, it, it's Chen is an incredible fighter, but Wolverine does get the better of him. He gets through his guard, and it ends with Wolverine's fist up against Shinjen's chin. You see Shinjen's eyes wide in fear, and then you cut the next panel is just and is just the word schnicked. Which Ooh. is the sound of Logan popping his claws. Mm. So the implication being that he's popped those claws right through Shinjin's head, and um, that's the end. And you, you, you get to see the symmetry. Lets you see just how far Wolverine has come since issue one, and the self discovery, the confidence, and and everything he's kind of been through. Damn you. For not letting me read the Marvel. Why comics. is this me? You. This is the. We both agreed to the format of the show. Don't don't be a bully and slap me in the face <laughs> with my contract. <laughs> Jesus. Back to the film. Mariko becomes CEO of Yashida Industries and bids farewell to Logan as he prepares to leave Japan. Yukio vows to stay by Logan's side as his bodyguard, and they depart to places unknown. In a mid-credit scene. Logan returns to the United States two years later and is approached at the airport by Charles Xavier and Eric Lenscher, who warn him of a m- weapons humans are creating that would bring the end to the mutant race. You know what struck me about this? Yeah. Is that it feels like with these X-Men movies, nothing ever progresses. <laughs> we just way? go back to where we were before. What's, right. What's, this this is this is just well, we were going back to the X Men are back again. All the characters that died are back, yeah. and you're going to be back. And I know you've done this thing in Japan, but it doesn't matter. You 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 haven't lost your claws. You're just back to being Wolverine again. And you're going to go back to being in the X Men. Nothing that happened in Last Stand mattered. Yeah. And as the as the series progressed, with like you think at the end of First Class, all of these seismic things have happened. At the end of First Class, Xavier has um, been crippled and he's in a wheelchair and mm. uh, Mystique has left and gone. And then in the next one, no. <laughs> They're all kind of roughly back to doing the same thing. Like you think, <laughs> oh my God, we finally got the war between Xavier and Magneto, and then in the next movie, no, they're still kind of pally pally. Yeah. They're still dancing around, actually having a war with each other. Charles is actually still walking. Like they just keep. It's just this circular motion where no progression happens. It's really annoying. What it feels like is obviously this is before the MCU, and you don't have anyone in charge of making sure there's a no proper overarching story. They're sort of they don't know how the next film's going to be, so they're sort of opening things. This is not before the MCU. Sorry, this is not before the MCU. These things were happening in the newer ones that are post. 2008 oh no no but i mean like from the first x-men film onwards we right see that. okay and i think by this point it's like well we're too late to implement anything that the mcu film has so we any the mcu stuff has so we're just gonna have to keep on doing what we were doing which was ace it each time 
I just think the progression you get in the MCU yeah. is is very Marvel Comics. Characters generally do progress. There are arcs. You think of like things are never the same after Civil War. Yeah, yeah. things are never the same. You know, uh, it, by the time we get to Infinity War, we've got to actually kind of like put the, try and mend fences and put things aside. And there's all these extra tensions and issues. I just I never really feel we got that with the with the Fox X Men stuff. No, you're abs- absolutely spot on. But with that. Is there a happy ending for Logan and Mariko in the comics, at least? Oh. Here we go. So, Logan has killed Shinjen. Mariko walks in and sees her father dead at his hands. Logan is ready to accept any fury from Mariko. Um, He actually says, there's a dozen ways I can stop her, but I'm not going to. But she says that that Wolverine that Logan has saved her from having to kill Shinjen herself. She was that was her next step. He, her father, she knows her father had brought such great shame to the family, and the only honourable course of action would be to kill Shinjen and then kill herself mm. because she could not live with the dishonour of having murdered her own father, no matter how no matter how terrible he was. So Wolverine has saved her life and ended the shame as well. And the miniseries ends with the X-Men back in America receiving a wedding invitation. Mm. The Emperor of Japan requests their presence at the wedding of Mariko and Logan. Um, Brilliant, brilliant end to a truly great story. But there can be no happy ending if you know Wolverine. (laughs) Um, So before the wedding service, Viper and um, Silver Samurai um, poison the X-Men, battle Logan to try and get control of the Yoshida clan from Mariko, um, and Mastermind gets involved. You know the guy who manipulated Jean Grey in the Dark Phoenix saga? He gets involved to kind of screw with people's minds a little bit, and it all ends with a separation between Mariko and Logan. Mariko is like... I have to before I can marry you and move forward in my life. I have to separate my family from these criminal connections and all this awful stuff that's going on. Um, and so I have to go and resolve that, and then I'll come back to you, and we'll something you know we'll we'll try and be in each other's lives. But that doesn't really ever happen. Um, she ends up becoming a real force in the Japanese criminal underworld, um, and then this horrible guy called Matsuo oh, I can't pronounce his surname I'm just going to say Matsuo uh, this this guy called Matsuo comes along to challenge the Yashida's power in in, in, in control of the hand um, and Silver Samurai is kind of involved as well um, and Wolverine comes in to fight on the behalf and essentially it ends up with Matsuo having poisoned uh, Mariko and it's a horrifying poison that is going to cause her excruciating pain for hours and hours. So she begs Wolverine to grant her a quick, painless death. And so he reluctantly uses his claws to to kill her. Um, 
which is heartbreaking for him and for everybody, you know, because especially because this miniseries is so fondly remembered. To avenge Mariko's death, Wolverine, he cuts off um, Matsuo's hand and then vows to slice off another part of his body on the anniversary of Mariko's death every year until there's nothing left of him. And he returns year after year to keep that vow. Cuts off his hand, his ear, he cuts out an eye, he removes his gallbladder. He just keeps coming back and he keeps that promise until finally Metsuo is dead. Well, thank you, Will, for taking us through... The 2013 Wolverine, the Wolverine movie, um, as you so ably do. And I'd now like to hand the show over to you, um, because what we're really interested in your perspective, the outsider perspective, on your final thoughts on the movie. I have to say, I went in expecting something along the lines of X-Men Origins again, but came away with uh, a film that had a lot more substance to it. Obviously not as much as Logan, but it's on the way there. A lot of the film doesn't feel like a superhero film, but more like an espionage, adventure, revenge flick. Sure, in the third act, it feels like an X-Men film, but so much of it relies on suspense and tension instead of spectacle. But that said, there is some great spectacle here. Sure, we don't get the Golden Gate Bridge lifted up or something ridiculous, but the bullet train sequence alone, I think it's worth the price of admission. <laughs> but we talked about the mid-credits scene teeing up Days of Future Past, but I'm a sucker for Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, and I was just happy to see them turn up for half a minute. But I just remember hearing from people about how this film just wasn't good, but I have to say, it's not that bad. Watching it in retrospect, you can see how they really wanted to start edging towards something mature like Logan, but couldn't quite get there yet. Um, I don't know how much flack or how much of a face Rob's going to make when I say this. I want to say that this is one of the better X-Men films. I I didn't like this movie. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, is it one of the better X-Men movies? Sure, but you're playing with a crap deck. I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> It's a high low card, sure. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I I don't know, man. I, I I didn't get I didn't get I got very, very little from this movie. Do you know what, very little. Do you know what it feels like? It feels like I've got this lovely review at the end. And like, oh I really enjoyed that. I see what they did here. Obviously not good here. And you and you just said, Hold on a second. <laughs> Bro, well, normally I don't say anything, but you literally asked me. That's your section of the show, and I don't have, I don't come in with a comment at the end. But you asked me, what would you, what do you think? Um, Time to poo bad, on everything. It's kind of a Will bad movie. Um, but it's glad, not an enjoyable film. Glad, glad to hear um, your, your your take on it as well. A couple of fun sequences, yeah, yeah. set pieces and stuff. Um, reading list for this episode is really just simply the Chris Claremont and Frank Miller miniseries, The Wolverine, which is collected. It's called The Wolverine. Um, wait, no, it's not. That's this movie. It's called Wolverine, but you're looking for the names Clement and Miller. Chris Clement, Frank Miller. Um, and it's a great thing. You can get it on Marvel Unlimited. You can also buy it from all sorts of comic book shops. Please, please, please don't use Amazon because they're just bad for the comic book industry. Mm. Um, 
Join us for our next episode as we return to the MCU. Will, we've looked at some ropey Spider-Man movies. <laughs> yeah. We're finally uh, getting Spider-Man in the MCU, oh, baby. Yes. It is Spider-Man Homecoming. Very excited for us to dive into that one. If you can't live without us, then uh, you need to head over to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel bonus episodes and a way to support your favorite podcast. Keep us on the air. That's patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Thanks for listening to Marvel versus Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, give us five stars. Make sure you recommend us to friends. Things like that can really help this podcast. For bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. And please visit our sponsors, offworldtees.com.